0: Proverbs 29 in, this, in, the, in the Bible says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. The, NL, the NIV puts it another way. It says, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. The message version, which is probably message version isn't a translation, by the way. It's a paraphrase. Please don't think that the message is, is the, the Bible. It's not. It's, it's a paraphrase of the Bible. But I love the way it puts it. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If you haven't got vision, you can't, you can't see what you're doing. If you haven't got vision, you stumble over. I don't know if you've ever played those games when you were a child where you put a blindfold on and someone span you round, and then you had to work out where you were. That's what doing life is like without vision. I don't know if you've ever played, you know, pin the tail on the donkey and they put the, they put the blindfold on you, they spin you around. Now, that donkey could have a, can I say backside in church? It can have a backside the size of France. If you haven't got vision, you're going to miss it. If you haven't got that clarity of sight, you're not going to hit the, 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 the target. And, and can I suggest this as well? Sometimes, some people are really good at pinning the tail on the donkey. And I'm going to say another word I don't know if I'm allowed to say in church. They might hit the right cheek. <laughs> or they might hit the left cheek. But they'll never get it spot on. Because they haven't got that clarity of vision. And if you haven't got clarity of vision, you end up with your hand on a donkey. No, I got one going there. But but look what the next line says. But when they attend to what he reveals, when we have that vision, when we have that clarity in our lives, what happens? We're most blessed. That's our prayer for you. We want you to be the most blessed you can be. We want to give you a clarity for your life so that you don't spend your life just stumbling around, fumbling in the dark. But actually, do you know what? I'm living my life blessed because I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. I know where I am. I'm going. And I think that's God's vision for our lives. I think God says, listen, I want you to be blessed because I want you to know where you're going. Last week, I told you the story of, of Matthew Emmons, who was, uh, if you haven't heard the story, he's one of the best Olympic shooters, uh, rifle shooters in the, in the world at the time. And he's, he's, he's in the 2004 Olympics and he's in two disciplines, so one discipline, he's already won gold. And he's so far ahead, all he's got to do is hit the target and he's won gold So all he's got to do is just hit the target, and he wins gold. So he lines up, he fires, hits the bullseye on the wrong target. Hit a target, hit it spot on, but it was the wrong target. Actually cost him a medal, he he finished eighth. And, And I said last week, you know, you can get your dream car, you can get your dream job, you can get your dream house, you can get your dream girlfriend, you can get your dream boyfriend, and you can still be unfulfilled. 'Cause you mean hitting the wrong target. And D. L. Moody says this our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. And this is the reality that there are people in, 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 in everywhere that are succeeding at things that don't really matter. They've got the houses, they've got the cars, they've got the popularity, they've got the Instagram followers, they've got the money. It doesn't matter. Because God has a vision for your life. He has the right target for you. And when you attend to what he reveals, what happens, you're most blessed. Paul says this in Ephesians, and I think, this is just a, I think this is a great way of summarizing, I think, what God's vision for us is. He says this, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. That's step one, have a personal relationship with God. God. Know God. Know God as, his, as your savior. We call that having your heart revived, giving your life to him. The next part he says this, this is the next bit on vision. Your eyes focused and clear. You can see where you're going. You can see what you're doing. God wants to clear your eyes. He wants you to be set free of, of anything that's kind of holding you back. We say this, that you can't see your future if your eyes are clouded with your past. God wants to clear that away. And then it says this when your eyes are clear, you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. There's a job for you, there's a role for you, there's something, there's a purpose for your life. And I love this next bit, just like I caught these lines this week. It says, Grasp the immensity of this what way of life? Glorious. This glorious way of life for his followers, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy and boundless strength when you're living in the vision of God because all this comes from Christ and we broke this down last week that I think just just really simply there are three things God wants for you he wants you to give your life to Jesus he wants you to know him personally he wants you to be made new by Jesus so get that clarity in your life and he wants you to become like Jesus Do what he's calling you to do. Be who he's calling you to be. So so the way we say it is this, give your life to Jesus, have your heart revived. Be made new by Jesus, have your hope restored. Become like Jesus, have your life rebuilt. That's it. That is God's vision for your life. And and it's our job is to help you and and, and in some ways actually motivate you to want to get there. Because why would you want to get there? Because when you attend to what he reveals, you are most blessed. I can't tell you this. Christianity is is not just attending revived Church. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Christianity isn't actually, it's not attending church. Christianity is not reading your Bible. Christianity is not praying when you feel like it. It's not actually just believing in God. Jesus says, follow me. And when we follow him, it means surrendering our lives to him. Because you, and I'll say this, I'll say this in love. All right? That's always a warning when it says this. I want to say this in love. You can go to church for 52 Sundays a year, you can own a Bible, you can even go to a prayer meeting. But Christianity's deeper. There's a great hymn that says, uh, it's called When I Survey. We all know it. And, and the last line, it, it talks about the wonder of the cross. It says, The cross should change us. The cross should, 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 should motivate us to want to be changed. And it ends with this line, love, so amazing, so divine, demands my Sunday afternoon. demands my soul. It demands my life. It demands my all. Can I, can I disappoint you? We don't have the option to be half-hearted. That option is not available to us. C.S. Lewis said this. If you know C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, one of the greatest minds of the, of the last century. He says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is moderately important. We're not called to be moderate Christians. We're called to go all in. We're not, I love this line. I can't remember where I heard it, but someone said, we're not called to be the frozen chosen. Or the Beige Brigade. Jesus said, I came to give you life. I came to give you life to the full. And the Bible says in in God's presence is fullness of joy. Paul says it's a glorious way of life. It's extravagant. There's endless energy. There's boundless grace. One thing Jesus never called us to be was bland. It's an extravagant way of life. It's glorious. In fact, Jesus is really strong on this. Cause if, you read, if you read Revelation, he says, listen, I'd rather you were hot or I'd rather you were cold. At the moment, you're lukewarm. And I'm going to spit you out. Being lukewarm is not an option. Being bland is not an option. I heard a joke the other day. It was about, just a really mediocre joke about Elton John. It's a little bit funny. I just felt that to just break the ice for that one. Sorry. (laughs) But there's a a passage in Mark's gospel where, where we see Jesus, and it's really interesting because Jesus has even got people who are just hanging around. And it says this He says that calling the crowd, so Jesus has got a crowd, he's got people who are just there hanging around, and he says, calling the crowd to do what? To join his disciples. He's got a crowd. He's got people who rock up at half past 10 on a Sunday morning and sit down and listen. But he says, listen, I'm calling you to join my disciples. I'm calling you to a deeper level. Jesus isn't looking for a crowd. He's looking for disciples. And, and I, can, I, can I suggest, if you're, if you're here this morning and you, you, you feel like you're in that crowd, Jesus wants to take you from being in the crowd to being a disciple. He says this, if you want to be my follower, give up your own way. Give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Look at the depth Jesus is calling us to. This isn't bland. This isn't Sunday morning. So if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. And then he goes, he goes even deeper. He says this. What what do you benefit if you're aiming at something and and, and you're hitting the balls? You've got the house you wanted, you've got the car you wanted, you've got the partner you wanted. He says this. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Jesus takes it deeper again. He says, If anyone is ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of them. Look at the depth he's calling them to. It's not crowd. He wants disciples and he says, You've got to give up your own way. You've got to, you've got to give up your your whatever it is you're doing, follow Jesus. And And we surrender our lives to his will and his way. And when we let his will and his way be the final words in our lives, can I tell you this? Our opinions don't matter. Our attitudes don't matter. We don't follow our feelings, we follow Jesus. That's what a revived heart is. It's having our heart totally awakened and alive. To the things of God. And the question I just want, to ask, just want to ask at the start, are you living at crowd level or do you want to go deeper? Because that's the first step in all our journeys when we choose to give our lives to Jesus. And, and can I tell you, that's a continual thing. We've got to do that every day. We choose to give our day to Jesus. We choose to give our lives to Jesus. And when we do that, we can move on to the next step, which is this, be made new by Jesus. We call, we call it having your hope restored. Some of us have lost hope, and we've lost hope because we can't get free of our past, we can't get free of our habits, we can't get free of our problems, and we need to understand that, that when you get saved, your issues, your mistakes, your, 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 your sins, everything you ever did was wrong, that, that's paid for by the blood of Jesus, that is, that is gone, but it doesn't make you changed. It's like you, you go into heaven, but your attitude still sucks. You're, you're saved, but you've still got habits and hang-ups and addictions. They don't just disappear. You've got to work on them. Paul says this, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. God is working in you. It's not just a, a one prayer and done. God is working in you, doing what? Giving you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. It's a work in progress. We're all work in progress. There's another translation that says, work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. There's a process to it of honoring God, obeying God. And, and, and can I tell you, if you're, if you're a Christian this morning, you're going to heaven. We're all going to heaven. And, and when you stand before God, and I want to just, just clarify a little bit of bad theology here, he will not judge you for anything you've done down here. He judges you for what you've done with his life. But we're not in heaven yet. And so we've still got to deal with our past. We've still got to deal with our pain. We've still got to deal with our problems. Those things that if they weren't in our lives, our lives would be better. And and we're called to be free of it. We're called to live free. I went to uni in Killeen. It's not there anymore. It's a housing estate. It devastated me when I I kind of saw the pictures. Um, I played for the rugby team while I was there. and, And every now and again, we'd have a game away against an English university. And every time we got on the bus, it was it was this kind of thing we did wherever we were traveling, and and some of you will understand this word in a a university rugby team, the committee. So the committee, if you knew what that meant, they would have worked out when it was exactly two hours and fifty minutes away from where we were going. They would have worked it out. And at that point, when we were two hours and fifty minutes away, the same video, remember videos? The same video went into the video player on the bus. Braveheart. And we'd watch this film to get riled up. So after two hours and fifty minutes, we were ready to go and kill the English. There's a scene, William Wallace is standing in front of his his very, very small army, and they're facing the, the English army and they see this massive army. And William Wallace says, Okay, will you fight? And someone goes, No, we'll run. And William Wallace says this, run and you'll live at least a while, and dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this one day to that for one chance? One chance, I'm not going to do the accent by the way, one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they might take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom." He's trying to encourage them, this is a moment. This is a moment to choose, have you had enough of being dominated by an enemy? Have you had enough of being being dominated or controlled or defined by by another enemy? And can I tell you, even if this process kills you, it's worth dying for. It's not going to kill you, by the way. But it will kill something that shouldn't be there. So you, you can know you're going to heaven, but actually when you go through this process, you can live free on earth while you're here. And it's inbuilt in us to be free. We don't have to think too far back to COVID lockdowns. We spent weeks at home, distance from each other. And, and I'm not, this is not a comment on, on the lockdowns at all, but we're not designed to be restricted. We're not designed to be alone. We're not designed to be separated from each other. We're, we're not designed to be kind of holed up. We, it goes against everything we know. That feeling of, and we all remember it, that feeling of being desperate to be free. That day the Welsh government said, okay, you can go five miles. Everyone got their maps out. And that day they said, okay, lockdown's over. That feeling of freedom. That nothing's holding us back. Nothing's pinning us down. Nothing's locking us in. That actually we, we can live free. That's what God wants. That's what God wants every day of your life because that's what restoring hope is about. All those issues, those mistakes, those habits that hurt, unless you deal with them, they can rob you of your dreams. They can rob you of your ambitions. They can rob you of your hope. And, And someone else, someone said this that the devil would love to keep you distracted, depressed, and distressed. But Jesus came to give you life to the full. He came that you would have your hope restored. And how did you do that? Paul says it's the grace of God. It's been revealed. That opportunity for freedom it is here. The grace of God has been revealed. It's open to us all. Grace has brought salvation to all people. But here's our bit. We're instructed to turn from godless living sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And can I say it really plainly? We need to get the sin of our lives. And there's two ways to do that, by the way. The Bible says, we, the first one is we confess it to Jesus. The Bible says this, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So we, we, can, we can go to God for our, our forgiveness, but there's another step, and that's actually to let someone else know you're struggling. James says this, confess your sins, not to God, to each other. Pray for each other so you might be healed. And one way of saying is this, we go to God for forgiveness, we go to God's people for healing. And for some of us, we, we, we're, we're battling something and we've, we've confessed it to Jesus, but we've never let someone else come alongside us and help us deal with it. Like, we're forgiven, but we're not free. Can I tell you that's why we run house groups? That's why we do life in relationship with each other. The Bible calls it communion, that they had communion. Communion's not about the... the bread and wine's important. I'm not, I'm not knocking the act of communion, but the, the communion's bigger than that. It's a common union. We are together. We're doing life together. And can I encourage you, if you're not in a house group, join one. If you're not going to a house group, Go. Because they need you. And actually, you need them. Writer of Hebrews says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How do we do that? We don't give up meeting together. But we encourage, we encourage each other. So can I just encourage you, if you're not in a house group and you're not going, just go. Don't give up meeting together, but go so you can encourage others. Go so that they can encourage you and spur each other on. And and I read this quote a few weeks ago. It's so powerful by a a Christian writer called Anne Voskamp. She said this, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. That is so powerful. And can can I promise you, if you go to a group and you open up and you, you confess the things you're struggling with, I guarantee you they won't go, ooh, Really? But someone in that room will go, oh, you too. And you can do life together. And that shame can die when you tell your story in a safe place. And we want to create safe places. And you can do life together, just working through those issues, building each other up. The translation of Proverbs, that says this, that a mirror reflects a man's face. But what he's really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses choice is yours. Run and you'll live for a while. Or fight and be free. And if you can choose friends that will fight with you, choose friends that will do life with you, choose friends that will help you find that freedom, choose friends who will help you make right choices, you'll live free. There's a passage in Ecclesiastes and it's usually used at weddings, but I was reading it and it just really struck me. It says this, two people are better than one. Why? Because they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Now notice that the language there is really interesting. If one person falls, the other can help. But when someone who's alone falls, they're in trouble. And a righteous kind of saying, you know, the likelihood of you falling is determined by who's with you. Because if you fall and you're in a partnership, someone's going to pick you up. But when you fall and you're alone, see the language there. The probability of you falling is dependent on who you're doing life with. And I want to encourage you, choose people who will stop you from falling. Choose people who will do life with you. Choose people who will pick you up. He says this, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm? I'm not suggesting we all go and lie down and have some sort of slumber party. But, but, but listen, It's about comfort. Do life with people who can comfort you when you need it. Says this a person who stands alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Choose to do people who'll fight with you. Choose to do life with people who have your back. And look at the difference it makes when Jesus is in the middle. Three's even better. Because a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. That bond, when you put Jesus in the middle of your relationships, it is unbreakable. And here's the thing. I I can shout this all day, but at the end of the day, this is a choice. Being free is a choice, and there are some things if we want to be free of, we've got to let go of. And some of us, maybe we we fall at that first hurdle because maybe we just don't want to. But look what you're missing out on. An immense glorious way of life, utter extravagance, endless energy, boundless strength. It all comes from Christ. Now, who wouldn't want that? I don't know about you, but just reading that gives me hope. And look what Hebrews says. It says, this hope, so the hope we have in Jesus, it's a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. That hope we find in Jesus, it's strong, it's secure, it's never failing, it keeps us where we need to be. When, When you have your hope restored in Jesus, actually it's restored to be stronger. It's restored to be more steadfast. It's restored to be more secure. Actually, it keeps us exactly where we need to be. And when we have our lives full of hope, Paul says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will do what? Fill you completely with joy and peace. How will he do that? Because you trust in him. Then you'll do what? Actually, you'll have so much, so much hope, so much joy. What will happen? You'll overflow. It'll actually come out of you. You'll have so much of it. That's the life we want you to have, one that's blessed, one that overflows, but it starts with you. Deuteronomy says this, God will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God will get you out of there. It says this, God will cut away the thick calluses on your heart, freeing you to love God with your whole heart and soul and really live. What an incredible promise. And I just want to just focus on that that one line God will cut away the thick calluses on your heart. And sometimes for something to be restored, there's things that need to be removed. So we're in the process now of of, of ripping up the carpets in in the lounge and the stairway, and we're going to just work through some areas of the building. Do you know what? That's not an easy job. To restore those spaces, things have got to be removed. And in the act of restoring our hearts, there comes a time where God wants to do some heart surgery and just cut away anything that's got a bit hard. And for a lot of us, that's the really scary part. because It means we've got to be vulnerable. It's the part where we've got to be honest. Open heart surgery means just that, open heart. We've got to be open. We've got to be open with God and open with each other. And some of us will find reasons not to. Mostly, mostly that's down to fear, it, it, fear of pain, or, or maybe you, you've tried before and it didn't work, or, or that thing just come back, or, or maybe it, it hurts so much that you just want to, don't want to revisit it. But I, I just want to tell you, it's like that DIY job that you promise yourself you'll do, but you never quite get around to it. I'm talking to the men in the house, and myself. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's still there. And it's going to be, it might be hard, and you might need some help, but if you deal with it, your wife will get off your back. I didn't say that. But if you deal with it, it's dealt with, it's done forever, and you move on. Now, now I'm, I'm no gardener. I, I, I don't mind admitting I am no gardener, and because of my lack of gardening skills, I'm pretty experienced with weeds. And what I've learned about weeds is if you just cut the top off, it'll grow back. But if I put my gloves on and if I dig down to the roots, it might be hard work. I might have to sweat. Do you know what? I might get stung. But if I pull it up by its roots, it's gone. Hard work, yeah. Maybe it took me a bit longer than I thought, but was it worth it? Yeah. I know if I had the band back up and I'll just tell you a story about a guy who got pulled over by the the police. He'd He'd been swerving all over the road, and the policeman says, listen, we're going to have to do a breath test. And the man says, you can't do that. And the policeman says, why not? The man says, I'm asthmatic. I, I could have an asthma attack and, and die right here on the side of the road. So the policeman says, okay, well, we'll have to take you to the station and do a blood test. The man says, you can't do that. The policeman says, why not? He says, well, I'm, I'm a hemophiliac. I, I could bleed to death in the police station. So the policeman says, okay, we're going to draw a line on the road and we're going to get you to walk in the straight line. The man says, you can't do that. The policeman says, why not? The man says, because I'm drunk. <laughs> do you know what? There's always an excuse. There's always an excuse. And even when Jesus, who he said to people, follow me, when push came to shove, they found excuses. When push came to shove, they had better things to do. When push came to shove, they found things that they thought were more important. And they never walked in the freedom Jesus had for them. If you know the story of Naaman, he had leprosy. And and he was said, go and wash in the river. Go and wash in the river and you'll be healed. Now, he probably wanted to be healed more than anything. But what happened? He found excuses. And he was healed, by the way, but it was only after he gave up his preferences, gave up his agenda, swallowed his pride, and did what God told him to do. It's when he let go, he found his healing. When he went all in, literally all in, that's when he found freedom. Certain parts of the world, and I'll close with this, there's a device that um, indigenous people use to trap monkeys. And it's a, it's a coconut or a, or a big nut, with, and it's been hollowed out. And, and they, put, they make a hole in it. And they chain it to a pole or a tree, and, and inside the, the, the coconut there's, there's rice or there's some kind of sweet treat. And, it, and it's there for the monkey to come and grab it. And, and the, 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 the monkey's hand will fit through the hole, but the way the trap is designed is the monkey's hand will fit through the hole, but when he grabs the rice or the sweet treat, his clenched fist can't get back out. So the monkey's got a choice. I can let go and be free, or I can hold on and stay trapped. And I need to tell you this morning there are times in life we can only experience freedom when we let go. In the words of William Wallace, your heart is free. Have the courage to follow it. You might be here thinking, well, I want want that, but I don't know where to start. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with having a real relationship with Jesus. That, That journey to finding freedom starts by discovering the one who set you free. And it starts with a prayer. And you may have prayed that prayer 50 million times. But on this journey, I think it's always a good prayer to start again and say, okay, God, here I am, surrendering to you. So why don't we just bow our heads. We're going to pray this prayer. Jesus, we need you. Thank you for for coming, dying for us to set us free. God, forgive us when we've chosen to go our own way. Choose We've chosen to go our own direction. God, today we choose again to turn around. We choose again to make you our focus. God, would you guide us? God, would you give us vision? Give us clarity? Again, we decide to give our lives to you. We declare you as the Lord of our life. We give you rule. And we thank you in faith for setting us free. Paul says this, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. God, would you restore to us the joy of our salvation? Fill us again with joy this morning. Give us peace. Give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. Give us a confidence in you. Help us put our trust in you. Let us overflow with that confident hope. Fill us with your spirit. We're going to close with a song that that I've asked the band just to use as a moment of, of recommitment for all of us. Because wherever we are on our journey, sometimes we can get a bit lukewarm. Sometimes we can lose focus. Sometimes we can find ourselves trapped by things we just didn't see coming. But when Shelley, Shelley didn't know this, she posted these, these, these songs on, on Friday. We've got a, a, a chat system that, that we get the, the worship leaders put their songs on. I love these words it says, Your grace is enough. It's more than I need. At your word, i believe. God, today I'm going to choose to believe in your word about who I am. I'm going to choose to believe what your word says I'm called to be. I'm ch- going to ch- refocus my attitude to your word, refocus my agenda to you, your word. God, if you said it, I believe it. And so God, here I am. I'm waiting for you. I'm drawing close to you. And what happens when you draw close to God? He draws near to us. Let your spirit make me new. God, revive my heart again. Refocus my attention on you. Jesus, light my way. Give me vision. Remind me of your vision for my life by the power. God, speak your word into my life. Speak it into my heart. God, I declare this morning I'm restored. I declare this morning I'm redeemed. It's by your spirit I'm made free. And we choose to take our next steps in walking in that freedom. and But it starts with surrendering our rights, surrendering our pride, surrendering our agenda and saying, God, I fall at your feet. Your grace is all I need. Why don't we stand together? Let's declare these words as the band leaders.